A picture is worth a thousand likes. Hi, I'm Anita Joyce with Kelly Wilkness, and this is Decorating Tips and Tricks. Episode 339, How to Beautifully Photograph Your Home. And the show notes can be found at decoratingtipsandtricks.com slash 339. You guys asked for this episode, so I hope that the people who asked are listening. (laughs) And a lot of you might be interested in knowing how to take lovely interior photos, uh, but you didn't step forward. So we're hoping that's the case uh, because there's a lot of reasons why you might want to take fantastic photos of your interiors. Aside from, you know, the social media madness and wanting to beef up your Instagram game and have your gallery look terrific. You might want to do it because maybe you want to list your house or cottage on Airbnb or VRBO, or maybe you want to try to sell your house by owner rather than using a real estate agent. So there's a lot, or maybe you just want to send us an email and attach photos and you want them to look darn good. All of your photos do look darn good, uh, by the way, already. Or to have when you go out of town so you can see a picture of your your doggy and for your end of your house. Oh, you're so cute. Like, do you go, when you go out of town, do you like scroll through your photos and look at pictures of your vignettes and stuff? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That sounds, that sounds really cute. Okay. I might start doing that too. If you get a little homesick, you could look at your photos. But there's so many reasons why taking great interior photos is an important thing to be able to do. Uh, now. So we're going to give you some tips today on how to get that done. And um, it's really not that hard. No, no. Are you ready to head straight into the tips? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I used to teach photography classes and I have to say that there is one factor that I feel like is head and shoulders so much more important than any other factor. And that factor is the lighting. If you get the lighting right, then you're 90% there. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. It was the first tip on my list. Uh, So true of taking photos of oneself as well. Have you ever been in a fluorescent lit uh, dressing room and tried on a bathing suit? Have you ever been to your hairdresser and had to sit there with down lights the entire time? Not good. So it's not that much different for your interiors. They would appreciate some great lighting as well. Well, and do you remember the episode from Jerry Seinfeld when he had the girlfriend that sometimes she looked really good and sometimes she looked really terrible? The shots of her where she looked really bad. He couldn't yeah. decide if she was good looking or not. And of course, he couldn't. Oh, okay. Be I remember. He, I think there was one where the girl looked different all the time. Is that the yeah, same one? <laughs> I think that's the one. Well, when they wanted to shoot her looking bad, they would do the downlight. So there would be the shadow straight on. There would be overhead light on her. And she always looked terrible, poor thing. It was just the lighting. And so it can do that to a person's look. I'm sure you've probably heard. Do not take a picture of a person out in the sun during noon because it's directly overhead light. Well, there's so many lighting things that can mess up your pictures in a house. And one of the things that I've seen bloggers do that uh, when I did uh, photography consults with them uh, and there were beginning bloggers, the thing that 
seemed like people did the most often was shoot the room with the lights on and they would have a yellow cast. The incandescent lighting, it's called tungsten lighting, and it does give a yellow cast to the room. It's not something that you will notice if you're in the room with your eyes, but if you take a picture, it's going to end up coming up yellow. So that right. is the so first thing the not to do. So it's warm lighting that we all like when you're actually live and present in the room, but when you capture that on film, it's bad. That's right. So you're going to want a blue light is going to be the closest to daylight. And really, you want even lighting in the room. So what I suggest, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I know you know to do this. The best thing to do is to turn off all the lights in the room. You also do not want, so you want even lighting. I think that's really the thing we're going for. The other thing that's important is not having too much light or too little light, but this even lighting comes in to play because usually you have some windows in one part of the room, but not in another. So you're going to have a lot of light flooding in on one side, but not another. When you take the picture, one side's going to be kind of dark and the other one's going to be light. Your camera can only adjust for one setting. So either one side's going to look way too light or the other side's going to look way too dark. One thing to do to adjust this is to wait until the light is a little less bright outside. So you can wait till an overcast day. You can also pull the shades down on that side of the room. Uh, Anything you can do to kind of even out that lighting. And if you're doing that and it's still not evened up, another thing you can do now, uh, professional photographers will use a light kit. I've got some hot lights or continuous lighting that I use, you know, the lights on the stands. But here's some things you can do where you do not have to go buy those because I'm really trying to come up with things where you can just shoot with your iPhone and you don't need to go buy equipment. So if you have a floor lamp, you can put it on the dark side of the room, off camera, out of the side of the frame where it's not going to show up in your picture. Take the lampshade off, and you're going to want to put a light bulb on there that is a blue light, something like a halogen light. You're going to want something that burns blue. So put that over there, turn that on, and that's going to help even out the lighting. Great tips. Yeah. Definitely avoiding direct sunlight. I find also if the light source is coming in from behind me, so if I put my back to the window where the light might be coming in, that that tends to have a um, better effect on the photo. It's interesting when people take uh, what I should say, the photographers that are hired by your real estate agents, when they come and take the photos, I'm always surprised they turn all the lights on. They do. Well, because I would never take pictures of the inside of my house with the lights on. No, but those those are not the best pictures I've ever seen. They really aren't. And their purpose is more to show square footage. You know, they have almost like, we joke, like the real estate agent lens. Like, Yeah, they've got the wide angle lens they're using. They're turning all the lights on. Giant, wide room. And then you go and you look at the house and you're like, hmm. And a lot of times they use a flash. I do not recommend using a flash at all. That's going to ruin all of your shadows that add texture and interest to the room. Uh, Yeah, but they're taking something to show the room light and bright and large. And these are not the kind of pictures you're going to see in a magazine. We're trying to help you get pictures more like what you would see in a magazine. So definitely make sure there's no flash coming on either. Right. So if you've had that where a real estate agent has sent someone to take photos of your house and they put all the lights on, just that that's really, you know, that's not the way that you would take interior photos. Um, 
Yeah, for the quality that we're talking about today and for the purposes that we're talking about today. Um, and I was just speaking about this real estate agent lens, which is tends to be super wide mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, they really want to emphasize the square footage and the right. the space in the room and things like that. You're not going to really want to work with a, a, um, a lens that is so wide or even just set up your shot to make it that wide. Um, you kind of want to, a tighter composition. Um, it, it, it tends to, if you use a different kind of wide lens, it kind of gets almost like that uh, fishbowl effect at the ends. It gets a little distorted. Right. And even if you're not using a special lens and you're using your iPhone, you know, if stand back to the point where you want to capture what you want to capture in the room, but try to make the composition tighter. And then you could take the full room and then go in and take smaller details like the vignettes or just small, interesting details uh, that you can capture that can really emphasize that personality of the room. Right. Now, the wide angle is something that I use if I'm in a really tight space and I have to shoot a bathroom or I have to shoot a hallway where I can't back up then I'm going to use a wide angle lens, but it does cause distortion. Now I go in Photoshop and, and correct that distortion. But again, we're trying to help you take pictures where you're not having to do any editing or, you know, require any special equipment. Uh, When you're taking your shots, you want the camera, which I'm assuming is your iPhone or, you know, a DSLR, if you have one, about 40 inches off of the floor up to eye level, somewhere in that range. And you want to be, if you can look straight at your subject, that's best than angling to the left or to the right. It's going to look better that way if you can shoot that way. And don't get all Picasso-y. You don't want to be like lying on the floor shooting up. You don't want to be standing on a ladder shooting down, being all clever. Those shots really don't end up looking very good. The straightforward way to shoot is really the best way, looking straight at your subject, straight in front of it, not angled down, not angled up, not angled to the left or to the right, just kind of straight in front. Like I said, 40 inches up to wherever your eye is, is kind of the range you want to be in. Yeah. I mean, there is a place for art shots, but that's really not when you're trying to get some beautiful interiors. So very true. Um, You know, just try to capture it where people don't have to try to figure out what it is, you know, because you're standing on a chair and shooting through your chandelier or something like that. Um, So let's say you're shooting like this and the, it's not, you don't have enough light and you're, if you're shooting with your iPhone, I don't think you can adjust the aperture, you know, to, to get more light in and if you don't have a tripod, try setting on it on a table or something to get it really still so that you're going to have a better picture so that it's not, you don't have any handshake affecting your picture, making it blurry. Yeah. And an excellent point is the tripod, which is on my list. If you feel like you're going to be doing this, or certainly if you're doing it to market your home on Airbnb or VRBO or something where you, you know, it's kind of a, you're willing to make a little investment because you might make some money back, then definitely invest in a tripod. They're not very expensive. You can get a tripod for your iPhone. You can get a tripod for, you know, your actual camera. But I have to say, once I felt like a real blogger, a real home blogger when I got my tripod because it changed my photograph taking game yes. tremendously. Because no matter how steady you are, 
you're going to have some movement, even when you're just depressing the, the uh, button, to, you know, to take the photo. So it's a great thing to do. If you have a tripod, you can even go one step further. Again, not very expensive and get a little remote, which can, you know, you can press it and then you can take the photo by pressing the remote. You don't even have to touch the camera. So I have that as well. I think I think mine was probably like $30 or something like that. It's not very expensive. It just plugs in. But, you know, these are some things that you want might want to have in your bag of tricks if you're doing this, you know, to either because you really enjoy it or because you want to market your house in some way or certainly if you want to sell your house. Because like Anita said in the beginning, a picture is worth a thousand likes. A picture may also be worth over ask, if you know what I'm saying, you know, <laughs> if you're trying to sell your house, you know, I mean, the pictures are going to sell it. Everybody is looking online now. I mean, you know, before the onset of all of uh, being able to do so many things online, you had to drive around with your real estate agent and look at the house and see it in person. And then you decided whether you were going to go back or if you were going to make an offer or what have you. Now your house is going to get you know, the line is going to be drawn through it if your photos aren't good before somebody even walks in the door. If it doesn't look good online, they're not going to come. Right. And if you're looking for a beginner DSLR, uh, if you want to upgrade from an iPhone, uh, I suggest a Rebel. I think those are great uh, DSLR cameras that are really inexpensive. If you want to go to a full frame camera, which is going to give you even more clarity in your photos, um, I use a Canon 5D Mark II. I think there's a Mark III or Mark IV by now, but it's a fabulous camera. It's not cheap, but it's definitely it's definitely a professional quality. You'll be camera. surprised or not to hear I'm a Canon girl too. You know, oh, wow. you know how the the world gets divided up into certain things. Yes. You know, like <laughs> yes, I don't know. Canon and Nikon. Yes, Canon and Nikon is another way to divide the world. So no surprise, Anita and I are both Canon girls. I didn't even know that until now. But here's oh. something I want to step back and say when Anita mentioned Photoshop, and she is a fantastic photographer. And she can do things in Photoshop that just wow me. You know, even when she's making things for our store, for landing pages and things like that, I'm, I'm just blown away. I have never done Photoshop. So I'm not, I think it's fantastic that she does. And I wish that I had, or, if, you know, maybe I will someday. But here's the thing. You don't have to do Photoshop to take great photos. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I think I do pretty well without yes, Photoshop. And you I, do. Yeah, and I'll edit just on my iPhone or I will edit in something called PicMonkey, which you can use the base um, entry level options in PicMonkey. So P-I-C-Monkey.com. Did and you I, know there's a Photoshop app you can get for your iPhone too? No, I didn't know that. Yes. Well, so I didn't not- know that because I don't do it, but I guess if I did it, I should know that. But PicMonkey, you can just use for free. And then if you want to get some of the other options that they have, you know, to add text and some things like that to your photos, um, you pay a minimal amount per year. So that's something you might want to explore. There's another uh, resource called Canva, which is kind of equivalent to PicMonkey. I've seen Canva, but, you know, I was already a PicMonkey girl, so I just stuck with it. I don't think it's vastly different. Have you ever used Canva, Anita? No, no, because no. you're like a big girl and you use Photoshop um, and Lightroom and Lightroom is great for batch. If you want to batch edit, that's a great one, too. Right. And it's less expensive. So 
Okay. So, and you know, that's software that you would have to purchase and it can be compatible and all of that. And you need to learn how to use it. And I think it's probably not as daunting as it may seem. So if that's something you're interested in, the other thing about photography is whether you're taking pictures of your interiors or you're taking pictures at your kid's soccer game, or you're taking pictures of your garden, like it's a really wonderful hobby to, you know, get more in tune with. And, you know, it's something that you can do your whole life long. And I get a lot of pleasure out of photography. Like, you know, I obviously take pictures for my blog a lot, uh, but I take pictures, just take pictures all the time. I mean, I can't tell you how many pictures I have of my dogs because they'll just be (laughs) doing something so cute. And if you know how to set up the photo and you take our tips, you're going to get better photos of everything inside your house, not just a a static vignette that you've created or a room photo that you're going to use for, you know, Airbnb or something like that, or Instagram, you can use these tips across the board and just get fantastic photos of your family or anything that's going on. I mean, obviously action shots and things like that, you have, we would give you different tips today. The tips are all about taking photos inside your home, specifically of things in your home, but that could include your pets. And, um, well, yeah. And if you have a, a, a DSLR, uh, you can, I suggest putting it in aperture priority, which I think it says AV on there. Mm-hmm. And then if you're doing a whole room, you want that number up around six, seven, eight. Uh, so everything is going to be in focus. And if you're doing a vignette, then you can tolerate a smaller, I mean, a larger aperture is going to let more light in, but it's going to have a smaller depth of field, smaller area that's in focus. So that's where you can go with maybe a 2.8, 3.5, that's sort of a, a lo- which is a smaller number, but a larger opening, more light coming in. Right. And so what that translates to in real life is if you have a vignette and you want the back to have that, we call it a bokeh, so have that sort of blurry out of focus feel and you want the the item, the vignette that's in the foreground to be in focus, that's what you're going to do. And that's how you achieve that. So it's it's settings. Now on the iPhones, if people are iPhone users, you can now do that right on your iPhone in edit. You can scroll. It's also, isn't that the F stop, Anita? So in it, so it says like a little F and a one, and then it has a scale and you can slide it oh, back I and forth. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. Oh, that's cool. Well, there's also a portrait setting. So that automatically goes to that large aperture and it's mm-hmm. going to blur the background. Yeah. So I that's, that a, that's a time. simple way that you can do it. But I'm going to check out that F, I don't, the F-stop option on there. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, I can show you. I mean, it depends on what yeah. uh, iPhone number you have, but I think we mm-hmm. have the same one. And then you you just go into edit and it's, I forget what you, you click on to do it, but I could, when I'm doing it, I could tell you. Um, another thing about if you are using an actual camera, not a phone to take photos, when Around the same time I got my tripod, I decided I was going to learn how to take pictures in manual, not in in the automatic settings that come in the camera. And to do that, I signed up for classes with this um, guy who is the husband of a blogger friend of ours. He's a friend of ours too. His name is Kevin, and he has a company called Shoot Fly Shoot. Isn't that cute? And honestly, I went from being afraid of my new camera and totally had no knowledge of how to use any of the settings. I went from that to shooting in manual in one weekend. Yeah. yeah. It was a great course. Well, and and when I've worked with students, I really 
recommend the aperture priority because unless you're using an external uh, light meter, if you're using the camera to meter it, then it, there's really no need to manual the aperture and the shutter speed. So mm-hmm. I recommend the, that just aperture priority. You set the aperture, let the camera decide what the shutter speed should be. And it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. if you've got it on a tripod. It can be as fast or slow. It doesn't really matter. Uh, now, I also talked about how the light was coming in and you're going to have different lighting levels throughout the day. And you can't really trust your eye to say if the lighting is good when you're first starting out. So I suggest if there's a room you want to photograph that maybe you take several pictures throughout the course of the day to kind of figure out what lighting is going to be your best lighting. So just kind of make some notes. uh, And if it's digital, you probably have a note of what day it was taken and what time it was taken. You might want to keep some notes as to whether it was a sunny day or overcast day, if you had the shades open or closed. But you want to take a bunch of test photos and without film, you're not paying for film. Who cares? I mean, experiment and try different things. And you're going to find the best time of day, the best settings for your photography. And I want you to do the same thing as far as composing your photos. If you want to be taking pictures over, if you're going to be taking pictures of your living room, for example, over time, as you change out pillows, as you change out flowers and your set, the things on your mantle, for example, you're going to want to find the best place to set the camera to photograph that room. So not just, so I want you to not just take pictures different times of the day, but take pictures in different places in the room pointed toward whatever your focal point is. And as you take those pictures, then you'll begin to see, well, from this one particular place where I stood to take the pictures, that really gave me the best shots. And that's really the best way of finding out how to take the best photos of your room is simply trial and error. So So get out there. Mm-hmm. And take the pictures you're going because it really is specific to your room. You're going to have to test it out, and then you're going to figure out this is where I stand. This is the time of day. This is the type of lighting. And also, I don't know if I mentioned this, but if you have direct sunlight coming in, uh, that then that's going to create something called a hot spot. So you really want to make sure you do not have direct sunlight hitting anything. It's going to really do a number on your picture, and it's going to mess up the lighting. It's going to look very modeled. Yeah. And what I find in my house is that I have certain sweet spots. You know, I take pictures everywhere, and but I think Anita will agree. There's definitely certain rooms that you're like, oh, this is a lot easier. You know, rather than, and oh, you shoot I'm- from the same spot all the time probably too now, don't you? Right, because do. you find the sweet spot. Or mm-hmm. if I want to take a picture of, a, you know, maybe a little something for our store and I'm going to do a little, maybe we're selling some vintage items or something, I know uh, particularly if I'm pressed for time and I'm like, I want to get these photos. I know the exact time of day. I mean, obviously changes somewhat throughout the year, but pretty much the exact time of day where I can put these items, where I can get a photo like in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and if I put it in someplace else in my house, it would take me three hours because I'd have to take a zillion different photos and then I'd be editing them all over the place. So, And didn't you say most of your pictures on Instagram you shot with your iPhone? Is that I right? Shoot all, I shoot all my – and I'll tell everybody listening a secret. If you have my book, other than the some of the 
arrangements that I brought inside like January because it's on my dining room table. But all the photos that I took outside because I created all the arrangements in my backyard and I would wait until that really dreamy time of day in Southern California and every place has a dreamy time of day, somewhere around four to maybe six, I took all the photos outside with my iPhone. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. So if you go to Instagram at my soulful home, you're going to see pictures taken just with her iPhone. It's that is pretty amazing that you did that with that camera. You know, but here's the thing back to the first tip it's lighting. It is. I mean, and you, I mean, you feel honestly, I mean, I was very pleased with the photos that from my book. I mean, some of those you look like you could just pick up the pick, the, the flowers off the page. But, and, you know, it, I just was using my iPhone. It's not like I'm a, you know, a genius. I'm not like Diane Arbus or some fabulous, famous photographer. It's just great lighting coupled with how can you go wrong with taking pictures of beautiful flowers, right? So I had those two things going for me and then I didn't shake the camera, you know? Well, and another thing that people ask me is how do I take a picture of of a room where the windows are not blown out? And by blown out, what they mean is they look white, the light coming in is so bright, you can't see what's outside the window. They want to be able to look at the room and see the view outside. And the only way that you can get that in one shot without editing is if the lighting inside the room is the same level as the lighting outside the room, which means adding a lot of artificial light inside or waiting the outdoor light is kind of dusk time. Over overcast is great for taking pictures, but it's you still get the blown out windows even over. Oh yeah, days. that blown out window is a, is a tough thing. Don't you just love a great recommendation from a friend? Well, we're delighted to be recommending these companies and their wonderful products to you today, and let them know your friends at DTT sent you. You know, another thing to keep in mind when you're taking your photos is the focal point. Where do you want people's eyes to focus? This is something that it's very helpful to think that out before you take the photo because the composition is something that also impacts the quality of your photo and you really want to know where you want the eye to go. If If you take a photo and it's not nothing's kind of standing out as the focal point, it can feel kind of confusing for the person looking at the photo and they're not going to read it as being as beautiful as a photo where they know where the focal point is. So that's something to keep in mind and it's something that you can impact also by clever cropping. Uh, that's the beauty of clever today's cropping. World. I love well, it. Well, I'm just saying, you know, when it was when you were taking pictures from film, it was a much more difficult thing to accomplish to crop a photo. And now you can do it on your phone. (laughs) Oh, no. And it makes sometimes it makes such a difference. Another trick for um, having an interesting shot that people are instantly engaged with is, is don't have it completely if your focal point, not completely bang on center. Do you agree, Anita? So off to the side. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. 
It somehow, I mean, I heard that again a long time ago, probably all in that same week when I got my tripod and I got my big girl camera. You just uh, put your big girl panties on all, all, all in one, one day. day. It was very <laughs> exhilarating. And now I have my big girl bra on with Harper Wild. Yeah, there you go. But it's all good. Uh, but yeah, it all started. I just said, I am going to up my photography game. And that's when it began. And I remember, re- I think it was just reading someone's blog post on it online. And they said, yeah. And, and then it never really dawned on me because just naturally you think you should put it in the middle. You know, I want to take a picture of that flower arrangement, put it in the middle. But if you put it off to the side, and of course, there has to be something beautiful or interesting or just lovely empty space um, to the other side of it. It's so much more engaging for the viewer. Oh, yes. And if you really want to up your game, you can think about things that magazine photographers think about. It really depends on how much effort you want to put into this. So if you're wanting magazine quality photos, then you're going to start thinking about things like our cords showing, our lamp cords showing. Then you're going to be tying those up, taping them so they're not showing behind pieces of furniture from underneath. You're going to be thinking about uh, your any clutter in the room and go back and just take a picture of your space first to see if there's any clutter you want to remove, if, there's, if you need to straighten anything. That's when you, that's when I, when I'm editing my photos is not the time I want to realize that Molly, my colleague was in the photo or there's a, a shoe in there, you know, cast aside. Oh, that is uh, the worst. I hate that. I know. <laughs> oh, there's so-and-so shoes that were left right by the stairs and there they are. You really want to look at those pictures while you've got everything set up. Once so I did a whole tablescape and I think oh, it was no. one of those tiled, tiled and set. And I took all the pictures and it was a very extravagant, probably for Christmas. I mean, you know, it was like not your everyday setting. And I realized that after I took them all, I guess I had, I was maybe rinsing off one of the glasses or something. So one place setting didn't have a glass and one didn't have a fork. Right. But it might and not I, have even. I, I just had to go that. with it. <laughs> oh, it yeah. Like, well, I've done that too. It was dark just- by then. I was like, oh, well, that's okay. Exactly. God bless the person who notices. They have very good eyes. Exactly. Well, and this is when you're going to be straightening up candles, making everything, straightening things on the walls. Did things get G-jawed? You want to get all that fixed. And G-jawed? What's that? Oh, is this like a Southern thing? Is that like jawed? It's all, it's all like, is that like wacky? Like a little wacky? Yeah, it's off. It's not straightened out. Oh, I'm going to have to use that. (laughs) Nobody will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I think they will. I don't think, think it's so. Out there. Um, okay. Well, uh, one other thing that I think you could speak to better than I do, um, and, <laughs> this is, and I don't mean this um, oh, by what Lord. you're What's wearing. This be? And what? It doesn't mean what you're wearing, but shooting in the raw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this I doesn't do mean lot, shooting actually. in your Harper Wild bras. No, <laughs> does not mean that. <laughs> Right. You can shoot in raw. It means that when you shoot a photo, if you're using a DSLR, shooting in raw means that your camera is capturing every piece of data about that image. The Most cameras convert that to a JPEG, which has less data and it's a smaller file. And most people that are not professional photographers just shoot with the setting on JPEG, maybe high resolution or low resolution. 
you're saving, uh, let's see, quite a bit of storage. So the raw image is about 30 megs. A high oh, you're res. Really, you're just tossing it around. A, a high res JPEG is going to be more like three. So you can see it's 10 times the storage space needed on your computer, so a, on your camera. A, I'm interpreting this. And I'll also interpret the G-Jaw situation for anyone who doesn't <laughs> isn't from Oklahoma. They got the G-Jaw. Okay, that just means your picture is huge. It's a huge file. It's a huge file size. That's, if well, that's you what do I it said. In it's raw. a big file. Right. Yeah. And then so if, it's going to take up a lot of space. Right. That's why some people may not want to use it. And a raw image is not something that you can use. It's going to have to be converted to a JPEG. But so that's the downside is it has to be converted and it's a large file size. You must edit the photo before you can use it. Now, the upside is that it is in its pristine condition and it's this huge file. So there's so much that you can do in the editing that is not going to degrade the quality of your photo. So if you're going to be doing any editing, you're just going to get a better photo, a more crisp photo, a better photo if you use the raw image. And it's going to be higher resolution in the end and you can you know play around with it however you want. The other thing is you don't ever edit that original file. So it's never degraded because what people don't realize is that you have a JPEG file and then you edit it and then you save it. And then the next week you edit it and you save it. Maybe let's say you changed it every week. You made some changes to it and saved, resaved it. And you didn't save the original one. At some point, it's just not even going to be usable anymore. It, it really messes up the file. And it's not as good a quality. Whereas the raw image, you never actually change the original file. You're saving versions of it. So it's not going to degrade in quality over time. That was very thorough. Oh, sorry. No, I'm very <laughs> thorough is very good. Oh, okay. I thought that was great. And if anybody has other questions and they want to go deeper and they, you know, they're really into photography, they, you know, this is just kind of like a, uh, a jumping point. You, then you can Google all sorts of other things. You can certainly send us some questions if you want, but you know, these are just really great tips and, and just like dipping in a little bit into the, you know, the big girl photography uh, lessons that you could be pursuing, you know, elsewhere. And, but it's such a fun thing. We encourage you all to do it. And we love when you send us photos and you can send them in any way, shape or form that you want. They do not have to be super magazine quality. They can be, you know, dark and blurry, whatever you have and you want to send to us, we're happy to get and take. As we always say, it's a no judgment zone. We're not judging your photos. We're just helping you if you want to improve them for your own purposes. Exactly. But we're happy to get any photos. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and we do have some photos coming up uh, today. And then as we go on in the next couple of episodes, we're going to be answering more listener questions. So definitely keep sending yours in along with the photos. Do you think that we have given all our tips, Anita? I think that's for, the bulk of them. I, yeah, you know, other things you can get into, which I didn't really didn't plan for today. But again, there's the external lighting you can do with the light kits. You can, and then lenses, that's a whole nother ball of wax. But, and there's quite a price range on those. So there's really some fun things you can do with those and recommendations we can make on those. But uh, what, ca- what camera, do, do you want to share what camera you use or anything? I have the same camera as you. Awesome. Yeah. Um, 
but I really do use my iPhone, which is a 10 <laughs> all the time for everything. So you've got a Maserati, but you choose to drive that Honda. Around. Well, let me tell you, no, my phone's pretty much a Maserati and we have lenses for the, we have lenses for the phones too. <laughs> which are great. But anyway, we're not, you know, this is not a um, photography podcast. We just thought this would be a fun thing to tell everybody about because, you know, there is, it is so much about photos now and sharing photos and, um, you know, even just for your own purposes, if you want to see the progression of your interiors, I love to look at my before and afters. Sometimes I'll just be poking around on my computer and I'll just open up an old file of, I have Ellis House Fours and I just say, how did we do it? How did we well, live I love in that taking house? Those, well, I love taking pictures of my house, and you know, whenever I'm taking the picture, I think, oh, it, my house is so beautiful. And of course, ten years later, I think, what was I thinking? But it's still fun to have those photos, and it shows how your style changes over time. I love it. To me, it's almost as fun as having those pictures of your kids growing up as they get older seeing your style evolve and change, even if you go from one house to another, I think it's a fun chronicling of your style. Oh, okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, okay, so let's roll into our crushes. Okay. I have I... such a fun crush today. Oh, well, I love books and my favorite books are biographies. Really? Okay. Oh, Oh, I, yeah, I just go crazy for them. I have to write. I don't have a lot of time to read. So pardon? (laughs) What? I'll say, I'll have to write mine for you then. Yes, do. Well, I would read that one. I would buy that one. One of the fun ones I read, I thought this one was so good. Actually, it's two by uh, Ruth, Ruth Rachel. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of her? She was the- You mean the food critic? Yes. Yeah. She uh, was the last editor-in-chief, I believe, of Gourmet Magazine. Yeah. And she's written several books. I have several of them. I think I have three of her books. But the two I'm thinking about are Comfort Me with Apples and Tender to the Bone, because those are her first two books she wrote about her formative years, her mom, who was a little off, and, uh, or, you know, she certainly describes her relationship as, as you know, difficult and her relationship with food and how she got started in the business and her childhood. It's so fascinating and rich with details and shares her love of food. You can really see that passion for the food throughout the books. And they are sprinkled with recipes from different periods of her life. In fact, I was just thinking about one of her recipes called Art Park Brownies. And I think that one is in Comfort Me with Apples. But the Art Park Brownies is one of the best brownie recipes around. And if you Google Art Park Brownies, you will find it uh, on the internet. You don't have to buy the book to get it, but you can try those. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty fantastic recipe. So what's yours? Oh, that, well, first of all, that's a great tip because that is a book I would not pick up. I mean, I, I, obviously, I know who she is. I think she should wrote for the New York Times for years, too. Um, She's, it's really good. They're both very good. Yeah, books. but I would not think, oh, I want to read the biography of a food critic. But you know what? It, and you would also think from a food critic like, oh, she grew up in the kitchen with her mother, teaching her how to, you know, make this and that. And here, you know, it sounds like it was not exactly that 
type of relationship. It was not an ideal. I don't remember all the details. I've got to go back and read it again. It was years ago. Oh, wow. That's good that you'd read it again. Okay, good one. Mm -hmm. I would. Okay, so mine is a bit different. And it's on the line of some of the things we were talking about today. It's an Instagram account, but it's called We Rate Dogs. Now, it is not really a competition because... Uh, I guess it goes up to 10, but like every dog gets a 12 or a 13. It's just a very <laughs> happy place where people send in their dogs. And uh, the, the person who runs it, I think he's like a young guy. Um, and he makes up really funny little captions. And I am not uh, a real scroller. Like I don't spend a lot of time. I, um, you know, we have our own accounts and things like that, but I'm not just like surfing around looking for dog pictures and stuff. But <laughs> This one came across my desk and somebody told me about it and it is just absolutely charming. They have a big Twitter account as well as the Instagram, like over a million Well, I just want to see the pictures. But they're so cute. So we'll go on now. Aww. It's so cute. Um, and then sometimes if a dog gets injured or something like that, they'll have, if you want to donate, like this one dog with, fell into like literally some quicksand or something and broke its pelvis. Oh, no. But, and then there's like, the other day there was like a corgi driving a car. Like, you know, the corgi really was driving the car, but the corgi looks so happy. And it just makes me smile. I, I actually have them. a photo of Molly driving the Ranger. So I there need to- There you go. I need to send them the picture. Yeah. So it's so- Oh, these are cute doggies. Darling, oh right? And it's just, he's just so clever, you know. Oh. Yeah, like, I yeah. mean, this is just so silly, but I mean, how can you not smile? It's a puppy and it's this, and it's this little brown, like dark black lab looking puppy. And it's a close up and she's got a blueberry on her nose. And he's like, this is Abby. She asked you to guard her blueberry while she naps. She's saving it for later. 12 out of 10. I would protect them both with my life. Right? <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> so cute. You know, if you need a little smile in your day, go on to We Rate Dogs. And follow them and they'll come up through your feed. Hopefully they'll come up through your feed. Who knows what people get in what they like oh, these yeah. days. Here's, here's one with a carrot on his nose. Oh, I yeah. guess that's I've a common the carrot. Thing. Yeah. I so cute. But they're not all with things on their noses. There's all kinds of things. Puppies and just really people that are just loving their dogs, dressing them up, stuff like that. Oh my goodness. So now. Let's get on to a listener question. Off, I could be looking at these dogs for an hour. I have to stop that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I need to. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you're like, right? Isn't it <laughs> addicting? You're like, oh, look, a carrot on his nose. Oh, look at this one. Oh, this one's training to be a guard dog. I mean, not a, a, oh, are we a recording a podcast? <laughs> yeah. What? We are doing a, uh, now we're doing a dog podcast. Okay. So okay. our listener, Talia, which I love that name, by the by, um, Talia listens to the podcast. Thank you very much, Talia. And she was listening to one of the episodes where we were talking about removing carpet from the stairs. Now, I don't have any carpet on either of my staircases. You don't either, do you? Mm -mm, no. Okay. No. So, I, you know, we had it taken off when we came here because it was just like icky and it wasn't my look. Anyway, so my stairs are painted uh, black treads, white risers. Now, Talia's concern is she's either was in the process or planning to remove the carpet from her stairs. But what is she, what she's asking is, what do we say about the slippery stair issue? Hmm. I say, Talia, hold on. But <laughs> and thanks for <laughs> hold listening. Hold on to that railing. Hold on to the railing. No, it's, I mean, obviously, when you take the, the carpet off, there can be some 
slippery wood or painted wood, stained wood underneath. But I have also known some people to say that their carpets were slippery. Um, oh, yeah, wool might not true. be slippery, but if there's a synthetic rug or sisal, it has been known to be slippery. Over the course of time, it sort of gets worn down. Maybe you've even seen what I'm talking about. Like the sisal almost gets like mm-hmm. a, a shine it to it. Right? It does. Yes. I know what you're talking about. Right? So that can happen. Now, so if you're really worried about it, um, and if you've got maybe little kids or you tend to go up and down the stairs a heck of a lot or you, you're doing it fast, then maybe you want to consider you know, putting a different – if you don't like the carpeting you have, maybe putting a different carpeting because there really is no surefire solution. Uh, you know – Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Like, there's danger everywhere. I don't want anybody to fall down the stairs. I must, in all honesty, admit I did once slip. I had very fuzzy socks on, which I really like fuzzy socks. And I was going down the stairs in the morning and I slipped a, a couple of recipe for steps. disaster. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I do try to hold on, even though I'm not a So you could lady. use some shoes with some grip on the bottom. That would have helped, right? Yeah. So you could have done that. Mm-hmm. And um, just, you know, for me, I think, you know, Accidents can happen either way. Um, there are things that you can put down on your staircase. Now, I, to be perfectly honest, I would not put these on my staircase because my staircase greets you pretty much when you walk in the door. But there are these non-slip stair treads, which are clear. It's actually like tape. And you get them in certain dimensions. like They have like 32 by 4 or something like that. They're supposed to be clear, but I mean, I... I have not purchased them myself, but I think you're going to be able to discern that there's something on the stair depending upon what you have going on underneath, if it's stained or if it's a page or something like that. But maybe you will luck out there and you might not be able to see it. It almost looks like frosted tape a little bit because there's some sort of uh, traction, some grain in it. You know, it can't be like scotch tape because you'd slide on that too. So it's got some grit. If you had somebody that you were really worried about falling, you know, then that probably would be worth it. I did have an issue with slippery steps uh, outside, and I put some of those abrasive stickum strips mm-hmm. on the step that are black right. because it was such a slippery hazard when it was wet outdoors. But I wouldn't put those inside. I'm with you, Kelly. There are some things that you can do, for example – Make sure you're not over waxing or make sure you don't really have wax on those steps. There's a lot of products that we put on our floors that do make them slippery. So I would check into that. I'm not really sure what you can do, but I suspect there are some products you can put on your floor that are going to keep it from getting so slick. So there's probably a lot of products you just want to avoid using, maybe some of the oils and some of the waxes. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's going to give it a little more roughness Mm -hmm. and traction. You could even, dare I say, sand it a little bit. So uh, just kind of rough it up a bit. I mean, not sand it, but just so that there's not so much wax on there. Right. Um, So putting together two thoughts, Anita says she had black treads that she used on the exterior. So if you had a staircase like mine where the treads are painted black, maybe you could even get away with that. You know, oh, it's particularly right. if your staircase is more closed in and you're not going to see it, you're not going to get like a uh, straight view of it when you open your front door. If it's a little off to the side, if it's more closed in, there are also um, 
uh, pieces of carpeting that you could put down. I'm I'm seeing the a couple of different styles on Amazon, uh, and I can link to those for you. Uh, one is like gray with some sort of like a trellis design with white in it. Again, you know, it really depends on how high your concern is for slipping and then, you know, what was going to go with your decor and how concerned you are about the look. You know, if if it's all about the look, then hold on to that hand railing. Well, I <laughs> don't agree. wear fuzzy okay. socks. I read this on the internet, so it must be true, right? Yeah. It said carpeted stairs are slippery and can be dangerous. They are, a carpet is is responsible for more stair falls <gasps> than uncarpeted stairs. And that's at the spruce. I found that. So judge for yourself it's tr- if it's true or not, but that's what it said here on the internet. Wow. Okay. Well, see, you never know. But Molly at some point decided our stairs were too slippery and she stopped going up and down the stairs. She yeah. did not feel safe. Yeah, I don't blame her. You know, yeah, she, she she's a big to go girl up too, then going up yeah. and down the stairs. Too heavy for me to be carrying up and down all the time. I can tell you that. Right, right. So just stay on the one level. Molly's living in a ranch home. And that the rest of you are not. That's fine. So fun to hang out with you guys today. I hope you enjoyed this topic. It was a little bit different, but, you know, obviously still very much decor centric. So if you have any follow up questions, feel free to shoot them over to us. And certainly if you want to show us a picture you took before you listen to the episode and a picture you took after you listen to the episode, we would love to see those. Um, and you can send them to us at decoratingtipsandtricks at gmail.com. And um, remember, we are here to inspire you to create a beautiful home. Until next time. to remind you that we are available for design consults. We take on your design dilemmas, questions, renovations, any project you want to talk about, any room, any space. We are here for you. And we really do enjoy doing these. And I think we've helped people a lot. So if you want to sign up for a consult, head to the link in the show notes. It's decoratingtipsandtricks.com slash consult. We hope to talk to you soon.